We have been um, talking about, we've been spending the whole summer talking about matters of the soul. So today we're dwelling on what is perhaps the most relevant teaching of Jesus for today in the North American church. It's Jesus' tips for attending and throwing a party. Yeah, you always wanted to know how to throw a party. Well, today you will know. Because we all know that Jesus was the life of the party. We know instinctively, even before the Bible makes it perfectly clear, the scripture says he had more joy than any of his companions. It says he went about eating and drinking to the point where they called him a glutton and a drunkard. Okay, I am, don't be shocked, I'm just giving you scripture. He turned water into wine at a wedding for his first miracle. It was the hottest supper guest for tax collectors and Pharisees alike. In short, everyone wanted to be around Jesus. Even the people who hated him found him magnetic. He was a culture creator. People loved being around him, and they let him set the tone for their community. He was the heartbeat, the living pulse of every gathering he was invited to. And he ended up shifting the atmosphere even for gatherings he wasn't invited to. Jesus was always a good steward of his influence. In short, he was the life of the party. He had the effortless grace about him. It attracted people to him and it drove them mad. He made a difference without having to try. Isn't that what we want? Oh, no, not me. I, I, I don't want to be the life of the party. Let's get real for a minute. Deep down, every one of us wants to be an influence. We are measured, we measure ourselves by the effect we have on others. We even give us ourselves permission to be able to influence others if we have done something correctly and we are celebrated. Let me give you for an instance. Well, I often, in conversations with my wife, a lot of times, well, she will point out, well, you can't really say that because this isn't really happening right now to us. So we judge our ability to be able to influence others by the, the results that take place in our life. Whether we've really influenced others gives us the ability to say, hey, I've got something for you. The whole economical, social thing that we've created in the, image, in the area of self-image where we have to build ourselves up because we want to be somebody. 
If that's not enough, just go to your Facebook and you'll see enough somebodies there that are wanting to be somebody. Right now, that is the very number one thing of people wanting to create a, a business for themselves is creating a influencer or a place of influence on other people's lives. It's the number one thing. People desire to create an influence. They want to be the life of the party. My daughter has... How many influencers? How many followers? She has tens of thousands, 20,000 followers. It is a business. She is given things from dear knows wherever. If only they will, she will put a little post in her Instagram page and she gets clothes. She's got electronics. She's gotten money all because she has over 20 some thousand followers. She's called an influencer. It's the new wave of doing advertising. People want to be the life of the party. You didn't know that, did you? Well, I don't know about you, but in my world, a lot of times we judge preachers by how many people come to their church. We judge preachers by how many people leave the church. I judge my own leadership by sometimes how many people are coming on Sunday, by how big the offerings are, and I go and I and when those things start to go haywire, there's this inner critic that comes. You're not doing enough. I'm speaking for my world, so you don't like it. That's okay because this is where I'm at. You see, a lot of times in life today. We have to be able to get real with where our motivation lies. There's the aspect of wanting to create an influence, and then there's the place where we get angry when we are not celebrated. It's interesting that Jesus has given us one tip for attending a party and one tip for throwing a party. You ready? Here's your tips for throwing and going to a party. So here's what he says about attending parties. Pick the lowest seat at the table. What does that mean? It means when you're riding in the car, you don't call shotgun. When you're invited to a barbecue, you're not the first person to grab a burger off the grill. When you're going to a movie theater with a group, you take the chair on the end next to the heavy set guy who smells like popcorn. <laughs> you don't presume to deserve you have influence. You don't presume 
to deserve better treatment, you don't presume on other people that other people owe you anything. This is the difficult, this is difficult, but it is best for us. But it's the ground floor for a crucial ingredient in the way God loves the world. God's love, his agape love, is different and better than ordinary human love. It goes above and beyond. There's one secret ingredient in God's love that sometimes is missing from our recipes. It's kind of like MSG is to Chinese food. It makes God's love something special, something most people can't make at home. Do you want to know what that secret ingredient is? I'm going to tell you, even if you don't ask. It's a theological term called kenosis. Kenosis is a rare Greek word meaning self-emptying. It's only used once in the whole Bible, but it is a very crucial text. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, it says, Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, kenosis, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of even death, death on a cross." Jesus revealed the perfect love of God by emptying himself. Jesus was not a climbing the ladder kind of guy. He wasn't trying to get more influencers or be influential. He wasn't trying to convince more people to believe in him. He wasn't trying to get what he deserved. He wasn't trying to earn respect. He wasn't demanding anybody's attention or loyalty. He took the low road again and again and again, all the way down into death. So here's the question. Just how low are you willing to go in order to be like Jesus? I'm glad I, I asked you that question. I'm going to try to answer it. It seems noble to empty ourselves. But it's actually quite humbling. Because when you choose to take the lowest seat, you discover what seat you thought you deserved. I'm going to try to, I lost the word here, but I, I'm going to try to get into your space a bit with that thought. Think about Christians who want to bend their country's politics to enforce their values. Think about Christians who are up in arms because they would never treat Muslims like they're treating us. I know it's going to get quiet in here, but that's okay. Think about Christians who fight for their right to tell their neighbors 
and their adult children and their city council how other people ought to live their lives. Let's get real for a minute. We can all put that, well, that's somebody else, but you know what? We have to kind of start owning some of the inner feelings that are in there. How low can you go to be like Christ? It's, it's impossible to earn and gain and demand and inquire or manipulate. We are emptying ourselves. While we're emptying ourselves, you, it is it, totally impossible if you're trying to empty yourself to gain, to demand, to acquire, to manipulate. Those are totally opposite ways of emptying yourself. And the saints we admire are the ones who choose a cruciform way of self-emptying love. Just think for a minute. Do you think if you went to a house party with Mother Teresa, if she was still alive, would you say, you better get out of that comfy chair, that chair is mine. Dibs, dibs on that chair. Here's what made Jesus so much fun to be around. He did not impose himself upon others. Instead, he gave himself away. And this is so crucial when we talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus gave himself away. All the way through, when we talk about the prosperity of the soul, what the writer's talking about in 3 John is that you would be as wealthy as Mr. Gates trying to give his wealth away. He no longer has the problem of needing money. He now has the problem of giving it away. And that is what the writer in the Bible is trying to say is that your soul should be so prosperous as that of a wealthy person having a problem to try to give away all his wealth. Because the effect of your soul affects every part of your life. And one of the aspects that we have in Christendom is that we sometimes have created a, for lack of a better illustration, a nest with a bunch of birds and we have a mother bird. And the mother bird is constantly going to get food and we have people in the church with their beaks open waiting to be fed but they never get out of the nest. You see, all the way through the Bible, if you look through the kingdom of God and what Jesus describes, he describes that we are to be coming to church with a, ha- with a hymn, a, a scripture, a spiritual song. It is, we are so, there is so much in us that we take the time to prepare ourselves for what we will give when we come together, not what we get. Come on. It's good. It's good. 
This whole building would be full if, they, if people knew that everybody here in this room was going to give away something. I'd be here. I am here. You know that, that some churches have put, because they've lacked people coming, they put a bingo number on the bottom of a chair. And by the offering time, they choose the number and that person gets half of the offering just to come to church. The mentality is, is that what's in it for me makes me come to church. That isn't the way of the kingdom. That isn't the way of self-emptying. That isn't the way of Jesus. That isn't the way of the kingdom. It's always, I got time to go and I know I've gotten too far when my phone turns off. Take an inventory of your life. The people you enjoy being around the most are the people who are generous with their soul towards you. When you're around them, you feel like they're giving much more than they're getting, than you're getting out of, the, out of the friendship. And the people who struggle with the ones who take and take from you without recognizing what it costs. Now that we know how to go to a party... How do you throw one? Well, verses 12 to 14 talks about throwing a party. And here's the point. Throwing parties for people who cannot throw parties for you. One of the most revealing times, I think, that Barb and I had with our children is one Christmas we went to the Friendship Inn and we decided we would serve Christmas dinner. We went there thinking, oh, it's going to be so great. We're going to divvy out this food and we're going to see how thankful people are. <laughs> Guess what? There wasn't very many thankful people that we were there. We came to serve. And you should be so happy that we're here to serve you. You are in need. And we've come to give you food. And not one person said thank you. And so you go away thinking, what was that? Because you don't go to a soup kitchen or to the Friendship Inn or to the bridge expecting something in return. Don't expect them to say thank you after you've fed them. Or what about paying for someone else's lunch without expecting them to grab the next one? What about inviting another couple from church and making them a meal and then invite them over again before they have a chance to reciprocate? Give to meet someone else's need and do it anonymously. Befriend people who cannot care for you the way you care for them. (laughs) 
This instruction pairs well with what Jesus said about picking the lowest seat. If you want to throw a party like Jesus throws a party, you give yourself away without expecting an earthly reward. And sometimes the aspect of what we do in church is we are expecting the reciprocity. What makes it come alive is when we don't expect return. Well, just how do you do that? Well, this, this connects so much with Jesus' teaching in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What does that even mean? Well, the world is built on reciprocity. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You stab my back, I'll stab yours. But the kingdom of God is built on generosity. It isn't, and it isn't pure generosity if you're trying to get something out of it. That's called investment. It's not a gift. Jesus knows self-emptying is hard. That's why he puts the cost of true generosity right up front. Give and be compassionate and do the works of justice. Specifically for the people who cannot pay you back. Figure out how you can give in such a way that you're fully detached from getting something out of it. I'm going to give you some examples. Are you ready? Quickly. They might get painful here, okay? But don't throw tomatoes. Give to a charity without asking for a tax receipt. As far as awakening goes, we honor our agreement with the government and always issue one. But ask yourself this question, if I never got a tax receipt again, would my charitable giving change? Next example, buy something special for a friend and sign someone else's name on that gift. It's funny, you know, we've had people in the church that would want to give away some of their, their giving to other people and so they've, they've given it to Barb to go give. So Barb gives you a big check. <laughs> it's not from her. It might. it might be. But the fact is, is that there are people that, in fact, want to remain anonymous. Bake cookies for your neighbors and say they came from another house on your block. That's kind of lying, though, isn't it? 
It's kind of a bad example. <laughs> Bake cookies and let someone else take them and get the credit for it. Do whatever it takes to make your reward a heavenly one instead of an earthly one. This really helps with the self-emptying. It breaks the back of expectation in your life. Nobody thinks they're selfish. Nobody admits that they're in what they're in it for and for what they want to gain. But as soon as you start looking for opportunities to be generous where you do not get any kickbacks, you'll start to experience what self-emptying really feels like. Remember, Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the Father. After his self-emptying, he did it for the joy set before him, but it was an eternal reward. If you want to be the life of Jesus, sorry, if you want to be the life of the party like Jesus was, you must live with eternity in mind. You're going to make sacrifices that nobody else but the Father notices. Somebody, you know, especially in Christendom, we sometimes think that as we become more mature, we understand we need to come to levels of leadership. And we sometimes overlay the world onto the church. And in in order to be somebody in the church, we then have to be a leader in the church. I want to tell you, being leaders in the church means you have to be a servant of all. Service is really the crux of being a leader in the church. And so often we we overlay that I've I've got to do something in the church in order to be recognized or seen again. We have to understand that what happens in this particular setting is opposite of what the world deems as important. You won't be recognized for everything you did until you get to heaven. You won't get a plaque on the wall, you'll get a crown in heaven. You're going to lose and you're going to suffer dishonor and you're going to be misunderstood and none of it will get resolved until heaven. Can I, can I be frightfully honest? Church, until we as the people of God understand that our reward may not come in this lifetime, we will never truly experience the love for each other that needs to happen. Because we are always going to be expecting it to come back in return. And quite frankly, I, I, I know what it's like sometimes when you have, you have given a meal it's, uh, or you've had people to your home or you've given the extra mile and you wish that they could recognize it or they would understand what you've given to them. Instead, they trample it underfoot and they don't understand what you have exactly given to them. 
That's the time where the enemy wants to create a spirit of offense and says, rise up and say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. These people need to grow up and understand. And guess what? Some of that stuff is very messy and icky and ugly. And it happens in the church. And then we wonder, well, we're supposed to be Christians. You know, they're supposed to understand our love by our love for one another. We're not very loving at times. But the aspect is, is that if we are, if we understand the kenosis and the self-emptying and how to throw a party and not expecting our reward to come in this lifetime, we are able to build the bridge that needs to be built in order for those that need to be loved to cross it. Loving people is always going to be messy. I've had 34 wonderful years of messy love. At times, we could have killed each other. There's still time. (laughs) But if we would have done it earlier, we would have been out of prison already. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The point is that commitment and love is messy. And it deals with sometimes the very muck of individuals. And when Jesus calls us to be like him, he wants us to get into the muck with people. Church, the culture here is a culture of love. And that means it's going to be messy. And that means that people, some people are not going to understand. And they may even walk away. But we still love them. There hasn't been anybody that has walked out of those doors that I haven't loved with my whole heart. But it's not just for the leaders to show love. It's for the kingdom of God to show love. Okay, smile at me. That's my, you know, my non-self-emptying type of gratification. You see... When we throw parties, the kind of parties we throw, or the ones you attend, the ones you plan yourself, they will show people that heaven can be manifested on earth. And this is why people wanted to be around Jesus. It wasn't just that he was a fun guy. His life proved another world was possible. And many people want to live lives of love. Many people want to make sacrifices, but they don't know where to start. And many people aspire to be loving, but waste their years on accidentally selfish pursuits. 
But if you follow these two simple instructions of Jesus, even though they're incredibly difficult to do, you'll be the life of the party every time. And you'll be the rare kind of soul who really does live as though there is heaven on earth. Someone said to me just the other, just this past week, he said, he, so I'm just now giving you, I'm trying to make it anonymous, and I've just cut half of the population off. But this person said to me, you know what's different about our church is that it has a culture of love, and that everyone, and that love continues whether they are here or they're not, there is still love for those individuals. And in my heart, like, I saying, wow, that's quite an incredible thing to say. I didn't want to take it upon myself, but I share it with you that says there is the culture that we are developing here is one that gets into the messes and it involves ourselves with one another. And it is, it is truly a, an organic type of culture. It's one where we self-empty our lives and we give as though... There is no reward, and we understand that what is seen, God will be glorified. Well, how do I do that? Well, what we could do as a church is buy a big cube van and people and offer our services in the in the paper and say free cube van with four people to help you move for free would not blow the preserves off a lot of people I'm just, I'm I'm thinking out loud off the spur of the moment. I'm trying to say, those are the types of things when you think of of self-emptying and giving of your love and without showing anything in return, that type of love blows people away because they're expecting to have to pay for that. I could think of things just off the top of my head, just go ching, ching, ching. We could have a Barnabas group where we just go and help people and encourage one another and just go and... What about having a group of people just to pick up dog poop in the dog park without being asked? Without getting our picture in the paper? You see what types of things could take place if we just allow our, our, um, 
our imagination and our creativity to just blossom and allow the wisdom of God to flow through us into acts of service and of kindness and of love. That's the kind of Jesus I want Awakening Church to portray. Now, I don't want anyone to go here and go, you mean we're not? I'm only giving you the scripture to encourage what is already birthed in each and every one of your hearts. Because I could go through and tell you of times where we have, we have blessed someone who didn't have enough and we, we, we've given money not expecting any return. We blessed another church. We gave them $3,000 without even asking for anything in return. We operate the food bank for the, for the community without a salary. You know how much time that takes a little bit from Gina's other jobs? <laughs> I have to say other jobs because she has other jobs. It's messy. But the whole thing is, it brings the kingdom to a reality of today and heaven reigns on earth. This gentleman came because of the food bank and stayed. We must love you, I guess. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is that I'm not, I'm not trying to preach to you that it isn't happening. It is. I just I want to encourage that it become the very fabric of who we are that allows the kingdom of God to be extended and established. I believe in you. My God believes in you. Let's be like Jesus and be like him.